right, thanks, Owen. Uh, my name is Paul Tagley Ferry. I'm the chair of the Northboro Zoning Board of Appeals. It is January 23rd, 2024, and past the hour of 7 p.m. Uh, the open meeting of the Zoning Board of Appeals is being conducted remotely pursuant to Chapter 2 of the Acts of 2023, an act relative to extending certain COVID-19 measures adopted during the state of emergency signed into law on March 29th, 2023. All members of the Northboro Zoning Board of Appeals are allowed and encouraged to participate remotely. The act allows the Zoning Board of Appeals to meet entirely remotely, so long as reasonable public access is afforded so that the public can follow along with the deliberations of the meeting. The public is encouraged to follow along using the posted agenda, unless the chair notes otherwise. Members of the public who wish to view the live stream of this meeting may do so by going to Northboro Remote Meetings on YouTube via the link listed on the agenda. Ensuring public access does not ensure public participation unless such participation is required by law. This meeting will feature public comment. Um, members, when I call your name, please respond to the affirmative. Uh, Mark Rutan. Here. Fran Backstrand. Here. Susie Sislika. Here. Brad Valanchet. Here. Uh, Jeff Grabowski. Here. Staff, when I uh, call your name, please respond in the affirmative. Uh, Robert Federico. Here. Uh, Lori Connors. Here. Um, ground rules. Um, we won't really have any presenters, so I'll just skip that. Um, so I guess we could just dive right into the agenda uh, for today. So first up on the agenda uh, is to consider the petition for an appeal of the Inspector of Building Zoning Enforcement Officer's determination regarding the use of property located at 339 to 345 West Main Street, Map 81, Parcels 16 and 17 in the Business West Zoning District and Groundwater Protection Overlay District Area 3, submitted by Trade B Treatment and Recycling of Northborough LLC. Um, so this was an appeal of a determination by the Northborough Zoning Enforcement Officer, Robert Federico, the applicant has reached out to staff to ask for a continuance to our February 27th, 2024 meeting at 7 p.m. Um, is there a motion to continue this hearing? Mark. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I move that we allow it, the continuation of this hearing to uh, February 27th at 7 p.m. Second. Hey, Mark made a motion and Fran second. Uh, we'll have a roll call vote. Uh, Mark? Aye. Fran? Aye. Uh, Brad? Aye. Susie? Sorry, Susie, I didn't hear you. Aye. Uh, and I'm an aye as well. All right. Um, so we will continue that uh, hearing at our February 27th, 2024 meeting. Uh, next up on the agenda is a continuation of the consideration of a petition for a variance submitted by Om Shri Jagadaba LLC for relief from the requirement to submit a disposal works construction permit issued by the Board of Health with a building permit application to allow reconstruction of the structure on the property located at 27 Belmont Street, Map 109, Parcel 20 in the Highway Business Zoning District and Groundwater Protection Overlay District Area 2. Uh, Lori, this applicant had reached out, uh, I believe, last week and asked for um, with a withdrawal without prejudice. Is that correct? That is correct. So uh, they are interested in withdrawing their application as a Motel 6 septic design was approved by the Board of Health. With this approval, they have completed the requirement for a construction permit application. So now there is no need for a variance. Uh, they are uh, going forward with the building department in order to get a building permit uh, to do the renovations that they desire. Okay. So I think we discussed this at, you know, when their last presentation, right, Bob, they're going to present to you the plan. They're going to get hooked up to septic so that they don't have to deal with, uh, uh, sorry, town sewer, so that they don't, they don't have to deal with septic. So. Well, Currently, um, they have an approved um, septic plan, um, and it's below oh. the um, 10,000 gallon per day state requirement. Um, okay. So one, now that that's been happening, uh, they needed to get me a set of plans that um, shows occupancy um, below the 10,000 gallons per day limit. 
Um, they have applied for the permit for that. I have yet to review it in detail, but I will be um, to make sure that whatever that system is designed for, their occupancy won't exceed uh, the capacity of the septic system. Um, the reason why they wanted to uh, come to the board for the for the variance was to be able to get a building permit before they had either a septic permit or a disposal works permit. <clears throat> now that that situation has been straightened out, they no longer need the variance. Okay. Um, seems pretty straightforward to me. Um, so I guess, is there a motion to uh, approve uh, this application's withdrawal without prejudice? Um, point, do we need to approve their withdrawal or do they just never show up on the docket? Yeah, so if you could, um, you could accept, if you can make a motion to accept their withdrawal, um, then without prejudice, then, uh, then it's pretty much done. Yeah, okay, I'm, Mr. Chair, yeah. Uh, yeah. I recommend that we allow them to withdraw without prejudice. Second. second. Uh, sorry, Fran beat you there. Uh, Mark made a motion. Fran seconded um, to allow the applicant to withdraw without prejudice. Uh, roll call vote, Mark. Aye. Fran? Aye. Brad? Aye. Uh, Susie? Aye. Uh, and I'm an aye as well. Okay. Um, Next up on the agenda is the consideration of minutes uh, from the October 24 and November 2nd. Uh, I believe Michelle had sent these attached with our agenda. Um, <clears throat> if anyone, has everyone, I should say, has everyone had a chance to review the minutes, provide any feedback? Um, okay, and then is there a motion to approve the minutes for the October 24th and November 2nd? Mr. Chair, take them one at a time. That'd be great. Mm -hmm. Okay, perfect. Fran, sorry. Mr. Chair, I move that we accept the minutes of the meeting of October 24, 2023 as submitted. Second. All right, Fran made a motion. Brad seconded. Uh, roll call vote. Uh, Fran? Aye. Brad? Aye. Mark? Aye. Susie? Sorry, Susie, can you say that again? <laughs> okay, uh, and I am an I as well. Um, okay. So, yep, sorry, Fran, you want to take the November one? Sure, sure. Um, I move that the board approve the minutes of the November 2nd, 2023 meeting as submitted. Second. All right, Fran made a motion and Brad seconded to approve the minutes from November 2nd. Uh, this will be a roll call vote. Uh, Fran? Aye. Brad? Aye. Mark? Aye. Susie? Aye. Okay. And I'm an aye as well. All right. Uh, next up on the agenda. Um, so our next uh, official meeting will be a joint meeting with the planning board on February the 6th, um, which will be for the purpose of discussing a proposed town meeting 2024 zoning related bylaws. Um, Lori, I guess um, I had asked maybe two weeks ago for just like a summary of kind of what the planning board has been discussing. Um, has there been any sort of updates, any new signed bylaws that we can discuss at our meeting? Yeah, so uh, right now I'm in the process of incorporating the changes that came out at the last planning board meeting last week. Um, I'm pretty minor in scope. Uh, so the, the crux of the modifications are, of course, we are proposing an MBTA uh, overlay uh, district bylaw. Um, so one of the areas that the planning board has uh, kind of gained consensus around is the Avalon, as well as uh, the Acrona Lodge. Uh, so that was a, a new change that came out of our last meeting. Uh, that was an idea that our new town administrator had. He really wanted 
to uh, push us in the direction of including the O'Connell Lodge because there have been a number of issues over there. Um, so the planning board agreed. So that is one of the districts. And of course, the other district would be in the downtown area. Um, the specific parcels are still up for debate. And uh, that is going to be a focus of discussion with you folks uh, at that meeting on February 6th. So then other bylaw changes that are proposing are changes to the groundwater protection overlay district bylaw. Um, so that was something that kind of came out of our downtown revitalization uh, project uh, plan that our groundwater protection overlay district bylaw is a, an impediment to the revitalization of downtown because the vast majority of the downtown is located within area three or, and there's a small portion that's located within area two. Um, so the minimum lot size uh, for um, area three lots is 20,000 square feet and the minimum lot size for area two lots is 40,000 square feet. And what that means is that we have 47 non-conforming parcels in the downtown business district. And we have 11 non-conforming uh, parcels in the downtown neighborhood district. Um, and the interesting thing is that sewer goes throughout those areas. So um, the whole rationale behind the 20,000 and 40,000 minimum lot sizes was to have sufficient land area in order to accommodate a septic system. But if all of your properties are sewered, that doesn't make a, a lot of sense. Um, so I had submitted a proposal to the planning board to provide relief um, for parcels that are sewered. Uh, so that is something that will be discussed on February 6th. Uh, there are changes to the sign bylaw isn't quite as extensive um, as it was proposed a couple of years ago, um, but uh, certainly there are changes that are proposed. And I, uh, Bob and I have been working with the design review committee on companion design guidelines for signs. Um, other changes have to do with the design standards, site design standards, a uh, couple of definitions or a couple of new uses uh, that have gained popularity as of late. Um, Co-working spaces, uh, so people who work from home, but they're looking for spaces that they can share for meetings with clients, or maybe they don't have the technology. Uh, maybe they only need it on a periodic basis. So they'd be able to share spaces with others, sorry. Um, and uh, that would uh, still give them the access that they need, the techn technical expertise that they need while saving them money by sharing space. And then another use uh, that we're proposing to add is makerspace. Um, so that would be added to the industrial district only. Um, once again, it's it's kind of sharing, sharing of resources. Um, so, Bob, am I missing anything? I think those are kind of the, the major changes we're talking about. Oh, actually, I forgot one. Major, major change. Um, so the industrial district that is off of Southwest Cutoff is being proposed for rezoning for a new district, uh, which is very similar to the Highway Commercial District. Uh, the only, there are a couple of uses that change, namely adult entertainment. So adult entertainment would not be allowed in this district. Um, so it primarily deals with Northboro Crossing, um, the, the New England baseball uh, property, 
Um, other uses that abut Route 20, including the gravel pit and the benefit of using the highway, highway commercial, uh, highway business zoning is that the uses that currently exist would still be compliant uh, within this new zoning district with the exception of the gravel pit, which would be grandfathered. And there is a commercial storage facility that would also be grandfathered. All of the other uses that currently exist up there would still work under um, this, this new, it's called Highway Business Southwest. And Laurie, it would also it would also remove the need for the overlay district that is currently in place, like that would just go away? It would. So uh, the article would consist of multiple parts. And one of those parts would be the elimination of that overlay district. So all of the uses with the exception of um, gas filling stations that are currently allowed in the overlay would still be allowed in the highway business Southwest. So I, I did notice when I was making the corrections uh, yesterday that that one particular use wouldn't be allowed. And I know the desire is to take out gas stations from the downtown, but there have to be somewhere. So if they're not in the downtown, maybe the highway business Southwest district, especially since you already have the BJ gas station, uh, that might be the appropriate location for it. So, you know, that's something that I'm interested in hearing your feedback on. And I'm sure the planning board is as, as well on February 6th. Um, sorry, Fran, one second. So you said maker spaces? Yeah, when, maker when, spaces. So those are kind of where, um, of course, I wish I had the definition here with me, but I didn't bring it home with me. It is um, where folks can share tools. So kind of like furnishing, uh, furniture refinishing, uh, glass maker, you know, stained glass makers, um, kind of, it's kind of like a light industrial type use. Mm -hmm. um, so the proposal is to put it under the light, man I'm sorry, did I say light manufacturing? That's what I meant to say. So the proposal is to put the definition under light manufacturing definition. And like I said, it'd be allowed in the um, industrial district. And Bob, do you have now have the definition? Oh, yay. Okay, I saving the day. If, if you could with, read that, that'd be you, great. If you bear with me, I'll read it. Uh, Makerspace is a building or part thereof used for the on-site production of parts or finished products by individual or shared use of hand tools, mechanical tools, and electronic tools. Maker spaces may include space for design and prototyping of new materials, fabrication methodologies and products, as well as space for packaging, incidental storage, sales, and distribution of such projects. Typical uses include, but are not limited to, electronic goods, printmaking, leather products, jewelry and clothing apparel, metalwork, furniture, woodworking and cabinet shops, glass or ceramic production and paper manufacturing. Maker spaces may host classes or networking events which are open to the public. Maker spaces may also include a membership component. Okay, thanks Bob. Uh, Fran, uh, sorry, you, you had your hand raised. I, did. I just have a quick question uh, on the, um, the gas station, uh, the BJ's gas station, which is right now in the overlay district, were you saying it will be a, an allowed use in the highway business district? Um, so what I noticed is when I was making the change today is that is the only use that is currently allowed in the overlay, but wouldn't be allowed within the Southwest, uh, the new highway business Southwest. So I, I highlighted that in mm -hmm. my um, latest revision because mm -hmm. I want to discuss that because okay. I do think that um, that particular location would be a good location for gas stations, especially if you if you want to take them out of the downtown, 
and people are commuting via Route 20, it makes sense to have them on Route 20. All right, thank you. Um, so the, the groundwater change that um, you discussed, what um, is that only downtown business? So there are a couple, so as you know, you guys are the ones who always get those applications. Um, yep. So there are a number of business uses that are captured as special permit uses that really, in my opinion, have no risk to groundwater, like hair salons. I mean, really, what is the risk to groundwater? Uh, you're, you're talking about boxes of shampoo and boxes of conditioner. Um, it's, um, you know, obviously they mix well with water. So, and they're going into either septic systems or they're going into the stormwater system. So the fact that retail doesn't require a special permit, but uses such as salons require a special permit really has never made sense to me. Um, so the the thought process is to take those sent those delicate you know uh, uses the uses that don't have any real risk to groundwater out of the special permit process and make those by right, but they would still be held to the same requirements. So. Uh, as far as septic system loading is concerned, septic system size is concerned, impervious coverage is concerned. So all of the protections would still be in place as if they were special permit uses, but they just wouldn't go to you. They would go to Bob and Bob would be the one verifying with the other staff like uh, the DPW. Uh, the assistant DPW director to ensure that they are meeting the requirements for impervious coverage and infiltration. And uh, of course the health agents as far as septic system loading is concerned. So that would mean, and this is only an area three that I'm talking about, which is uh, really, you know, most towns don't even regulate area three of um, well protection areas. So you'd still have approval under the special permit for area one and area two. It would just um, be more business friendly when it comes to area three. So the protections, like I said, would still be in place. Um, the way we decided it at the last plan and board meeting is that if they are on public sewer, they don't have to meet the minimum lot size requirement of 20,000 square feet uh, in area three. However, if they aren't on sewer, so they're relying on septic systems, they still have to meet the requirements, the minimum land requirement of 20,000 square feet. So um, the idea is to kind of present a, a more business-friendly environment. Okay. So it's only related to the commercial side of Groundwater 3 in the downtown business district? So it's commercial and it also affects multifamily. So two family, the minimum lot size is already 20,000 square feet. Um, so we would move two family into the by right. It would move multifamily as long as it's on uh, sewer in the by right, only on area three. So that really this only affects downtown business and downtown neighborhood district. Okay. So my plan is to finish up incorporating those changes by Friday of this week. So then I'll email all those changes to the planning board and I'll email 
them to you folks so that you'll have over a week to digest um, the zoning package. So then you can write up your, your questions and your comments and uh, be prepared for that meeting on the 6th. Okay, uh, Fran. Thank you. Um, one thing that um, uh, they are also discussing again is removing the authority for use variance from the Zoning Board of Appeals. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yeah, that's coming up. I, I, right. I did ask the question about how many times. Right. This will be the third. The fourth time. Is it the uh, third? I think it's the third. They discuss it each year. I only can find three. <laughs> um, uh, but um, I, I mean, if you have the time and energy to listen to the meetings, because once again, the zoning is going to be a, a map. It's not big changes, but it's a lot to digest. And I really, I mean, as much as there has been um, contention between the, well, at least some members of the boards when it comes to these changes, if we really wanted to make good sense and good decisions at town meeting, we all have to know exactly what it is that everybody's voting on. Um, and some of them appear to be just very, just, just a little change. But because there are so many definition changes and where definitions then change other things, um, they're going to have to only present the changes, not in the context of the entire zoning bylaw, which to me is, if you understand the whole picture, you can make an educated decision. Um, but the use variance came up again. The chairperson is the one that is um, has the most interest in moving it forward. The other members did seem to be in agreement with her. I don't think their logic for it makes sense. And I will have to say that there were um, several um, snarky comments about our use of the use variance and our misuse of the use variance. And um, I think that we have to defend our right to, well, not right, but defend our use of it and, um, I, and decide whether or not, I mean, I can say that I argued against it in 2013 and in 2022 um, as something that, and I think we just did it last year, maybe it was last year, 23, I don't remember. Um, it can be a useful tool. And if we can figure out a way to present it to where it is useful, and I will, the reason why I asked about the BJ's um, gas station, because if they don't include that in this new district gas stations and BJ's wants to make any type of significant change to their, their use, maybe they want to add, um, you know, a freezer with ice cream in it or something. I don't know. They would not be able to get a use variance because it'd be a non-conforming pre-existing use. And we now would make them wait to a full year before they could do something. And so I think that we should really try to be on the same page in a productive way, but I don't, I still don't, I, I don't agree with the rationale for taking it away. And I think that it's, it's important for all of us to really hear their reasons for it. Okay, thanks, Brian. Is that, mm -hmm. is that something that they are putting forward again? I feel mm -hmm. like it was last yes. year. Yeah, 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 we discussed it. So uh, yeah. that's something that Carrie really wants to include. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I will be adding it to um, this, the, what I send to you next week. Just just to, for history purposes, in 2013, Lisa Maselli put forth a citizen's petition to remove the authority. That's how far back this goes. Boy. Mm -hmm. That's right, I remember that. <laughs> I don't think I was here in 2013. <laughs> um, okay. Um, I guess I was going to ask a couple questions about the MBTA overlay, if that's okay with the other members. Um, so I guess I'm coming from sort of a beginner's perspective on this, Lori. So kind of would like your some baseline level or baseline knowledge about this. So Laws passed by Governor Baker a couple of years ago. The MBTA puts the overlay districts that are for towns that are connected or somewhat quasi-connected to 
rail lines and stuff saying you need to put in an overlay district, right, in order to sort of get access to funding and be compliant with the state laws, and et cetera, et cetera. That process goes through the planning board where they propose specific lots or is it areas? Like how does that, like when I, because when I think of an overlay, I think of like, hey, the area in this, and you kind of draw a circle or the area in downtown, you draw a circle. But are these specific lots that the planning board is choosing? Because you kind of mentioned Avalon, the Econo Lodge, but then you also want downtown. So is that? Yeah. So, is it, so is, I guess is the overlay as precise as listing the yes. addresses that are in? Yes. Uh, so there are two aspects to it. Um, so it could be a regular zoning district. So it could be just like the industrial district or residential C. So we could take a district that currently exists in the town and we could say, okay, in this district, like the downtown business district, we are going to require, so right now multifamily is a, an allowed use in the, uh, in the downtown business district. So what we could say is instead of uh, having a maximum of, I believe it's six units per acre, we're going to allow 15 units per acre and just leave it at that. Or another option is to do an overlay district. And with an overlay district, you have the benefit of putting all sorts of uh, design guidelines or design standards along with it. So you can put specific dimensional requirements that are different than the underlying district as well as design standards that are different than the underlying district. So it gives you more control. And you can also mandate that any project within the overlay needs to go through site plan review. So that is the route that I am recommending for the town of Northborough because it gives the town more control over the actual design of these developments. So it still has to be 15 units per acre, but you can have more control over how it looks. So the way I've, um, I've designed this overlay district is uh, there are certain design standards that carry through regardless of where you are, whether you're in uh, the Southwest area, Avalon, uh, Econo Lodge area, or you're within the downtown area. And then there are certain design standards that are specific to the area. So I have identified two sub-districts. One is uh, Southwest and the other one is downtown. And then I've identified different dimensional requirements for downtown than in Southwest. Um, and then there's a map that goes along with that. So Whenever you do a zoning change, you have to specify the location in the town that uh, the district applies to. So just like if you think about a groundwater district and our floodplain district, there are specific locations where that applies. Um, so, you know, the planning board has been uh, pretty pretty easy to, to reach consensus on the actual bylaw itself. It's just the locations that have been really, really troubling um, and really difficult to pin down. So those are, are both part of the discussion. So the negative ramifications of not um, meeting the deadline. So we have until December 31st, 2024 to comply. If we do not comply by that date, then we are shut out of pretty much the vast majority of state grants until we comply. And then it also puts the town at risk for litigation because this is a law. It's not, it's not, um, something that we really have a choice over. 
It's something that has been mandated upon all municipalities uh, that either have a commuter rail station or a T station or a trolley station or certain bus stations and the adjacent communities. So you either have to comply or you risk all sorts of ramifications. Now, I have a downtown revitalization project, as you know. So we've been working uh, with the master plan implementation committee over the last year um, to go through this visioning process to identify a vision for how people would like to see downtown revitalized. So uh, on Thursday night um, at a joint presentation of uh, the select board and the master plan implementation committee, the consultant team presented the findings and kind of the vision. And I presented my implementation idea for a phase one project. So this is uh, an expensive project that would cover Blake Street and a portion of uh, Pierce Street. I did secure ARPA funding at last night's select board meeting for the design of this phase one project, um, but the construction is gonna be very expensive. And of course it all depends on the design, but I suspect that it'll be in the area of $2.5 million. It may be more expensive than that. So uh, the options are uh, to for the town to pay all <clears throat> of that cost or a portion of that cost. So there are grant programs and I sent you folks an alert that I had received about a new grant program that rewards communities that adopt MBTA um, and, and other zoning changes. And it would pay for exactly what I'd like to do on Blake Street and Pierce Street. And uh, there's no maximum grant award um, although they are thinking that the grant awards will be in the realm of 300,000 to $5 million with the average grant award at $2.5 million. So that would pay a huge, huge amount of this um, streetscape project that is in the infancy at this point. So as the planner who has been kind of charged with implementing this downtown revitalization plan. I am encouraging you and the planning board and the citizens of Northborough to adopt the MBTA um, regulations so that we can have access to this and a whole slew of other state money to do a whole slew of great projects. Um, so that's kind of the long and the short of it. I, you know, some people get really frustrated that the state um, directs municipalities what to do. But in my experience, there there is often a carrot that goes along with the stick. So it's worth pursuing the carrot you have to do it anyway, so why not get something out of it? Um, and this is what I am strongly recommending to the town of Northborough. It, you know, at some point, whether it's, you know, this year or next year or five years from now or 10 years from now, the town will ultimately conform with this, um, this law. So we might as well get something out of it in my experience, when there's a new grant application, that's your best opportunity to get the money because there's so little competition. <laughs> so I'd like to get in on the bottom floor on this grant opportunity and have a great project in our downtown that'll get people super excited and um, you know really help transform the downtown, which you know from what I've seen in the master plan is, is what people really want to see. It's probably an extensive explanation for a very short question. 
no, so no, sorry I, about I, that. <laughs> no, that's no, that's okay. Um, okay, so I guess then from a process, just for my own, um, my own background. So just from a process standpoint, right? There's the MBTA overlay district to to what you had just laid out, approving it or not approving it. There's pros and cons. Well, on both sides, but basically, like you got to do it. Then the next question is, how do you do it? Right. And so I think that's sort of the, the the point of discussion that the planning board is having now. Right. Like. It, am I correct to in understanding that the planning board is developing a plan to get an MBTA overlay district finalized? Right. Yes. It's already written. We're okay. like 95 percent there. Okay. So the bylaw right. is done, although, you know, we're having that joint meeting with you folks. And then, of course, we go to public hearings. So I know that the planning board, and certainly I am, you know, as the primary author of the bylaw, open to your suggested changes. Uh, so right. if there's something that you don't like or you don't understand or you think needs clarification, mention it on February 6th. And um, so the idea is to get this to the point where people are happy with it and it gets approved at the April town meeting. So, right. so, so we're like 95% there. The, the difficulty that they're having is the parcels in the downtown area. So there's concern about including too much land and having too much development all at once. Uh, so there, there's a 10-acre parcel, which is Harvey, that was part of the downtown revitalization scenario one. So that is one of the properties that they're looking at. And then there's another parcel of land, a 10-acre parcel of land on Hudson Street that is owned by the so same folks who own 56 Hudson. Uh, it has a lot of topography challenges. It's pretty much a ridge line. So a huge amount of the 10 acres is undevelopable. And uh, the property owner submitted a proposal before the planning board to develop, I think it was 98 multifamily homes on that 10 acre parcel. Then uh, they owned some land across the street on the Assabet River. They were interested in doing a little pocket park and a parking lot and a canoe launch and picnic area. And then they own 56 uh, Hudson, which they're interested. That's they tag. They're interested in continuing um, the current use. So that's kind of the, the really what they're grappling with is do we include uh, the 10 acre parcel on Hudson or the the 13, I'm sorry, the 13 acre parcel on Hudson that's undeveloped or the 10 acre Harvey parcel, which is the dumpster storage place behind the town hall. Okay. Um, Brian, I see you and, and Susie. I should, so like, I guess just from like a process, like, all right. From my own understanding, like, I think having the overlay district obviously provides a lot of benefits. I feel like that's that case is, you know, has been made. In order for the town to sort of qualify in sort of the view of the state, what is like the minimum threshold of, is it housing area? Like what is, yes. what, what, what does it take for the town of Northborough to qualify? in the eyes of the state for this overlay? 50 acres of developable land. So a part of this uh, study process is we have had to evaluate each of the parcels of interest to see how much of the land is actually developable. So if you have a 13-acre parcel, but it's got significant restraints like wetlands or a river or whatever, then that land gets taken out of the equation and it is it does not 
meet the definition of developable. So even though the requirement is 50 acres and the minimum density is 15 units per acre. Um, so that that is what we need to comply with. So we may actually have to zone more than that uh, when you take into account the environmental constraints. So instead of 50 acres of land, it might be 57 acres, uh, it might be 58 acres, it depends on the parcels that are included within the overlay. And that analysis has to be done. Does, does that, um, sorry, Brent, I'll get to your question in one sec. Um, the, um, does that developable acres, do you like net debt versus, um, you know, like the minimum or the maximum amount of like coverage in an, on, a, on a parcel of land? Or is it just like, if, if like meaning like if I have a two acre piece of property, there's a two acre piece of property that two and it's, you know, completely flat. Does that count for two acres or does it count for, you know, 1.6 because you got to, or whatever it is in terms of the coverage? So it doesn't look like topography is really factored into the, um, to the physical limitation, it more has to do with wetlands, streams, okay. uh, and other environmental constraints. So one of those environmental constraints is our groundwater protection overlay district bylaw. So that is a part of my rationale for modifying that bylaw because the 20,000 square feet um, is a problem to getting the density that is required under the MBTA overlay. So, um, yeah, so we're talking about 50 acres of developable land. The, you can have multiple areas that go into the overlay district. So they don't necessarily always have to be contiguous but the smallest um, sub-district can be no smaller than five acres of developable land. And one of the districts has to be at least 25 acres of developable land. Okay, uh, Fran, sorry. So I just want to say, you know, the Master Plan Implementation Committee has struggled with this piece as well in that there are differing philosophies of what makes a, a walkable downtown and whether the density and housing has to come along with it as it does in other communities. The, the difficulty is balancing meeting the intent of the law and then the bottom line of the law. Uh, as an example, um, it was floated, and I don't think it was serious, but I mean, as an example, the um, Amazon and FedEx lot in the industrial, we could just make that our MBTA, that 50 acres would be done with it. We know it'll never be developed, it'll never happen, but it may meet the criteria, but that's not in the spirit or the intent of the, of the, of the law. So it's really... And that's why I think when Laura says 95% there, the bones are all there. We just have to figure out, tweak them when we figure out what pieces of property they're going on, right? Because dense housing off of Hudson Street will look different than dense housing on Route 9 at the Econo Lodge. And um, I mean, they're struggling. I mean, because it's hard to figure out. It sounds scary and it's urbanizing all the suburbs um, in some form or fashion that... Um, originalists never thought would happen. Okay, thanks. Sorry, that, that FedEx thing is kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> one, yeah. one, one piece of property and you have your 50 acres. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so okay. It is interesting yeah. because of course it's so new that none of us really know how the DHCD uh, and livable communities. They just changed their name. I always forget the uh, the new initials and what they stand for. Um, but they ultimately have to approve our bylaw. 
So it's unclear at this point because the bylaw is so new what their expectations are. So they provided guidance. Um, so the risk is that we could go all the way through, like Avalon, of course, is, um, you know, it's a chapter 40B project and, you know, it had a unit limitation. And so we're still kind of unclear if um, the state will deem Avalon as acceptable to be included within the overlay district. Uh, so we're waiting to see. So what, what um, D, the DHCD, the new organization is offering is that once we come up with a consensus on this is what we're presenting to town meeting, we can submit it to them, they will review it. And then before town meeting, they will tell us whether they deem our overlay district acceptable, that it meets the standards that they have set forth. So I am very interested in doing that for obvious reasons. So I'm hoping that um, shortly after the public hearing, um, everybody will will say, okay, this is the bylaw. Go ahead, Laurie, submit it to the state. Let's see where we stand. And um, and so then we'll have a level of assurance that when we go to town meeting, we'll be in good standing with the state should it be adopted. Um, Susie, did you have, you had your hand raised earlier. Sorry. Um, and going back to the break, going back a couple of steps, I got a question back there about- Susie, your, your volume is really yeah. weird. So I can't really understand what you're saying. Can you understand me better now? No. A tiny bit. Can you hear me better now? Yes. Yeah. Yep, that's good. Sorry. Um, so my question goes back to the, to the Blake street grants and everything. Um, I was just asking the update on old town hall. Do we think that, cause that would be a big boost to that grant. If that's going to become town hall, do we know the updates on that or that feasibility study? I'm, I just feel like a lot of these things we're putting, we're spending money before, you know, the cart before the horse sort of thing. Yeah, so the committee, the town hall feasibility uh, uh, committee is working hard with the consultants uh, to analyze the various properties that are being considered for the town hall. So they haven't, you know, they're still pretty early on in the process, so they haven't. So it's not definitive where the town hall is going. Now, my argument is that if we do the design now and then it turns out that the town hall is going to West for West Main Street, then we will have a design for the improvement to the municipal parking lot, which then can be paid for with the renovation funds associated with the town hall project. And also you want to renovate that parking lot when nobody's using it. So you don't want to renovate the parking lot when town uh, town hall has already moved to Coral West Main Street, and then we're relying on those parking spaces uh, at the municipal parking lot for the employees and the visitors of the town hall. So I I would argue that the timing is actually perfect uh, to tackle Blake Street because. Four, Blake's, uh, four West Main Street is largely open and the municipal parking lot is not in use currently. And then um, and then also about the, the 20 acre the housing the housing unit. So if if we if we zone that and then a builder, a developer could just come and build that. Um, like how, how many units would that be? Would we have any control over that or the zoning or? Are you talking about the uh, Hudson Street? The downtown, yeah. 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 Yeah, so like I said, the planning board has been really grappling with that. Um, 
you know, I've I've worked for a number of communities that are have been developing at a, a much faster pace. Uh, right now, the construction in the town of Northborough is is very, very, very minimal. Um, maybe on average, what is it like eight to 10 units a year? Um, and I'm used to like 60 units per year. Um, so, you know, there is, there is capacity. The town is, doesn't have a huge amount of development potential because it's already been built out. But in my opinion, development within the downtown would aid economic activity in the downtown. So Northborough is a community that has a pretty small population. So it's uh, just shy of 16,000 people. And there's already a huge amount of retail because of all of the strip malls that exist along Route 20 and West Main Street and Northborough Crossing. So it is unlikely that there is a huge demand for more of that sort of thing. Um, if we just continue along the current route. So in a traditional downtown, you have residents who live within it, and then you have businesses that support the residents. So the residents who live in the downtown patronize the businesses in the downtown. Uh, so it's mutually beneficial. So I do not think that more residential development in the downtown will harm the downtown. If anything, it will improve the situation. People who live in the downtown usually like to live there because they don't wanna be driving their cars everywhere. So they wanna be able to step out of their front door and they wanna walk from uh, business to business. They wanna be able to walk to the library and uh, the post office and the town hall. So I, I think, for, and that's what- Like a $20 million school, like the, the new schools or like another $4 million roof or- You know, multifamily housing tends to create much fewer children than a single family development. The statistics prove that out time and time again. So families with when children don't live in multifamily housing. They live when in single family homes. When Avalon came in, it crippled. It crippled Proctor. It created an uprising, a parent uprising that literally in September, um, it, I, it was like they, they had to ch change the whole, the whole Northborough, like, class size limit. And if you can if you can talk to I'm Greg sorry. Martin about it and he would love to get have you to our schools. Three hundred and eighty two units of single family housing yields far more school children than three hundred and eighty two units of multifamily housing. So that's just, that's especially if we're talking about one and two bedroom units. You don't have, you we know, families with three children living in a one family, a uh, one bedroom unit. You just don't. It's just not. Do we know they're going to be one bedroom? Uh, Susie, this is the law. <laughs> I, I, know I don't know what to say to other than that. Is all I'm saying. I think, uh, Um, if, if I'll just say one thing, um, I don't think it's useful to argue about or have different opinions about this. Um, I will say, Lori, I think it would be helpful. Um, you know, I guess for, for the, the other bylaws, if you could just give us sort of the background and reasoning and all the details on what exactly is changing or the proposals that the planning board is discussing, I think as it relates to the overlay district, um, I guess if you could just give us as much information as, as what's been discussed with the planning board, the loss that they've identified um, so far, sort of, you know, the 95% and then sort of the, 
that's kind of there. And then the 5% that they could you know, potentially use our feedback on. Um, I guess, regardless of whatever decision comes out or discussions that happen, whether here in the ZBA or in the planning board, this still needs to go in front of the town to get approval. And so I think, you know, I don't envy the planning board for having to make a decision to A, try to get an, an MBTA overlay district planned out to get all the benefits that, Lori, you listed earlier, which I think is beneficial to the town. I don't think there's really any disagreement there, but that's also something that the town residents would be in favor of approving, right? There's that, you know, I mean, if you tell me that you have to create an overlay district and you have access to all this grant funding, great. But if the costs or the, if the perceived costs or the perceived negative impacts ex far exceed what people think is, could be detrimental, regardless of whatever it is that you think on either side of it. Um, I think the, the point is, is to try to get a something, you know, built, planned, defined that has a support for two thirds majority of residents so that we no, can the town. A, it's a basic majority vote. Okay. So it's, instead can... of, instead of the typical uh, two thirds majority for your regular zoning change, uh, the MBTA bylaw would be a simple majority vote. Okay. Yeah. It just, so just I... as a reminder, I mean, we have to zone it. It doesn't mean that it's going to get built. I, I mean, it's the first step towards it. But um, and then again, there's the balance. If there are already developed properties that meet some of the criteria that chips away at the 750, right? The 15 by 50. And the idea is if we find a balance, we can meet the spirit of the law as well as protect ourselves from having 750 new, potentially new units in what, the next 10 or 20 years. All right, I mean, Avalon is pretty much already built out as 382 units. So uh, that's 42 acres of land. So that's a lion's share. Um, so if the town has to build 100 units of, I mean, the requirement is 750 units. If the town builds 100 units, then I would say that the town is getting off really easy. Um, I think, do you know, um, Have there been other towns that have already passed similar um, overlay districts? Yes, there are right, a number of communities, head, including yeah. the town of Lexington, okay. uh, the town of Grafton approved at the fall town meeting. Um, so pretty much everybody who already has a um, subway station or a commuter rail station their deadline was uh, December 31st of this year. So there are many, many examples of recently approved bylaws. Um, of course, they go to the attorney general's office and they go to uh, DHCD for ultimate approval. So there aren't that many communities that have received the ultimate approval as of yet. I believe Northbridge has also gotten approval, Chelmsford. Um, so there, there are lots of good examples to look at. Holden actually is, the, I think Holden is the one that's, that um, said, no, they're not going to do it. And that the attorney general is now looking to sue them. But yeah, um, Holden and Middleborough. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's about 135 communities in total that are impacted by this, either by this year because they actually have the the, the MBTA in their town or they're uh, in a budding town. So I think there's about 130 of us. The town of Milton, which is actually my hometown, uh, well, they yeah, just adopted that. a bylaw. Uh, so they're, they're another example that you can look at. And that is a, a very densely developed community already. Uh, it has the Blue Hills Reservation through it. So it has quite a bit of uh, permanently protected open space. Um, but that's an example of community that's already pretty densely developed. It was forced to become more dense. 
And that's a very affluent community. So, I mean, it's impacting all sorts of different, you know, rich, poor, <laughs> you know, compact, uh, sparsely developed, all sorts of different communities. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, so and then I guess, Lori, if you want to just send us everything, it, it'd be helpful for the meeting with the planning board. Um, I don't really have any other questions at this time. Does anyone else have any other questions or comments? I thought this was going to take 10 minutes, but <laughs> sorry about that. You blame me. Um, Sorry, does anyone else have any other questions? Um, I don't really have any other business before the board. Anything else? Does anyone else have anything else? All right. Is there a motion to adjourn? Mr. Chair. Yes, I move that we adjourn. Second. Okay, Fran made a motion to adjourn and Mark seconded. Um, this will be a roll call vote, Fran. Aye. Mark? Aye. Uh, Brad? Aye. Susie? Aye. Uh, and I am an aye as well. All right. See everyone in two weeks. Bye, guys. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye.